You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turn your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, proving that He was God, what did He leave behind in the tomb? (coughs) Maybe the picture will help. Grave clothes. Grave clothes. Grave clothes. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had wrapped Jesus' body in cloths, anointed Him with spices, placed Him in the tomb. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he left those old grave clothes behind. Why? Because they were worthless, no longer needed, because he was alive. It's so interesting from this example, Bible scholars tell us that in the first century church, when believers were baptized, it was customary that they would be given a new robe as a symbol of their new identity in Jesus. This would symbolize the old passing away and all things becoming new. New. Has the newness of 2020 worn off yet? (laughs) A couple of weeks into this now. We started talking last Sunday about new beginnings. On Wednesday, we talked about a renewed heart. And then today, we're going to talk about the new self. You've made your way to Colossians 3. Jump down to verse 9 as we read through verse 17. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. Catch that. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also might forgive. What does it say? Must. You must forgive. And above all these, put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. This is speaking of the church. And be thankful. Let, this is a choice, the word of of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with what? thankfulness in your hearts to God and whatever you do and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus there it is again giving thanks to God the Father through him now church at some point this winter I really believe it's going to snow It just hasn't yet. But I'm telling you, the pattern is going to flip by next weekend. 
and I think we're going to see some snow and perhaps a scene like this. That is snow hanging there, interestingly enough, on red oak leaves that did not fall off of that tree during the fall. That happens sometimes. You know, something pretty amazing will happen to those dead leaves by about mid-April around here. As winter ends and the sap rises in that red oak, those leaves will be pushed off for new ones. Just like that symbolizes there. Those new buds will push off the old. That too is a symbol of the new life we have in Jesus when we choose to follow Him and trust Him as our Lord and Savior. And church family, this is exactly the idea the Apostle Paul is seeking to get across to the Christians in Colossae. Because the Greek verbs there in verses 9 and 10 translated put off and put on describe a once for all action. I think a put off, put on, wipe on, wipe off. Mr. Miyagi, you know, wipe on, wipe off. You know, put on, put off. It's, you die one time. It's a once for all action. You put off the old life and you put on the new life. That's exactly what happens when we come to Jesus. It's like discarding the old grave clothes like Jesus did, and we put on the new self. Much like this sculpture. I, I, that's a beautiful sculpture, is it not? Fabulous depiction of putting off the old and putting on the new man, the new woman. Well, I can't do that, but I can symbolize it by illustrating something, well, like the first century church. Now, what did the first century church give new believers at their baptism? They gave them a new robe, a new robe. You and I, when we get saved, we put on a new robe. We are now robed in Christ. We literally look different. We are different. We are born again. We're not the same person. That robe represents the new Kevin. See, when I gave my life to Christ, I died to my old self and I put on the new self. It's the idea of replacement. You get rid of the old and you receive from the Lord Jesus a marvelous new identity. In other words, at salvation, you become new. And it's at salvation that whether you realize it or not, you and I choose to follow the footsteps of Jesus. You remember the image we've been showing you? Matthew showed us this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, imagine that. Jesus has marked the footsteps, and now we intentionally walk where he walks. Are you a follower of Christ? Are you intentionally waking up in the mornings and thinking, I'm going to follow Christ today. I'm going to live as he lived. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And that's verse 10. We begin to change from the inside out. Look at it. Verse 10 again. Colossians 3.10. Have put on then the new self which is being renewed how? What's that word in? Knowledge. After the image of its creator. 
Listen, church, that knowledge, that knowledge, that gnosis in the Greek is the entire subject and purpose of this letter to the Colossian church. Remember, false teachers had come in. They were teaching lies and seeking to move the people away from the Word of God. So the purpose of the letter to the Colossians was to help them distinguish what? That which is true, remember the image we've been showing you, versus that which is false. We must know the truth. Church, when you and I are born again, something happens to our brains. They begin to be renewed. Before you came to Christ, you had stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Your thinking was not godly. And a process of literally rewiring your brain and how you think about subjects begins to take place. That's Romans 12 verse 2. You know this verse. See the screens? Do not be conformed. In other words, stop acting like the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may then discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When you and I get saved, we are beginning a process of being renewed, transformed. It's the process of being sanctified, made holy. And the Holy Spirit begins to rewire our minds. And thus we live a new life after we give our lives to Christ in spirit and in truth. And when I say we, I'm talking about anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Aren't you glad? That anyone who chooses Christ can be saved. That's Colossians 3.11. Look at verse 11 in your Bibles. Here. here where's here? At the cross. At salvation. At the newness of life there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. We, 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 we don't distinguish ourselves by whether we're male or female or we're from this nation or that nation. We're all one body in Christ. All in all. Now church, this is where we're going to pick up the pace. And as I looked at this, as I was studying this passage, I'm like, man, this is a lot. And I probably should have broken this down into two messages. And did you know that we're on a timer here? Go ahead and look back there. Go ahead. Turn around. Look over your shoulder. You see that screen back there? Look above the red numbers. How, about, what is that? How much time have I got left? Go. Tell me. 35 minutes at 32, 31, 30, 20. Okay. I got to get, get out of that. Got to get out of that. We do that first and second service so that we can get people to Sunday school. We can get the people in here and get all that. You say, quit talking. You've only got 35 minutes. I know. So we're going to go. You ready? This is a lot to cover, but I think we'll make it. Now watch in verse 12. Watch verse 12. Put on then. Okay, put on then, see the robe, you choose to put it on, God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, you put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and you bear with one another. Even if somebody has a complaint against you, and you forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now, last week, church family, we saw two sets of stairs. This week we're going to see another set. We start at the bottom and we work our way up. Okay? You see this? We start at compassion. We work our way up to forgiveness. Now, 
I could have chosen to show it this way. I could have chosen to take, because I really believe that if you've got compassion, if you've got compassion, you're going to have the rest. I, I could have taken compassion and made it a clothes hanger and then hung the other five on the clothes hanger of compassion. Because the truth is, you will never be kind unless you have a compassionate heart. You will never show humility or meekness or patience or forgiveness unless you have a compassionate heart. So the question is, what is biblical compassion. Okay, you ready? The Greek word for compassion, you know what it means? Bowels. <laughs> really. It means bowels. Because to the Hebrew mind, if you felt it in your gut, it meant something to you. You have compassion. You feel it. It means something to you. You'll know how this works. You're, you're getting ready to give a speech or you're, you're getting ready to play an instrument. It's just your first time singing with the praise team. First time you've had a solo. What do you get kind of flittering around in your stomach? What do we call that? Butterflies. And so when you feel something in your gut, we, we, we call that, you know, it means something. It's compassion. You know, let's say you've been going through grief going through a season where someone has passed. Do you feel like eating? A lot of times you don't feel like eating, do you? It all has to do with the gut. It's the seat of sympathy. Think about this. Remember when Jesus came into Jerusalem for the last time right before his death? See the depiction of that? Jesus came by way of the Mount of Olives. And he eventually stopped. And he looked over the city of Jerusalem. And what did he do? Do you remember what he did? He wept because he had compassion. The Bible tells us in Luke 19, 41, and when Jesus drew near and he saw the city, because it wasn't just the buildings, he saw the people and he wept over it. You know, when you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the accounts of Jesus' life, you'll see compassion of our Lord over and over. Matthew 9, verse 36, see the screen says this, when Jesus saw the crowds, think of all the crowds that followed him in his three-year ministry. What did he have? He felt it in his gut. And he felt for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was always concerned about the poor, the sick, the crippled, the deaf, the blind, the orphaned, the widows. And he brought relief and he brought comfort and healing. Jesus had compassion. And church, when we choose to follow Him, we will too. We'll be a people of compassion. And we'll follow His footprints in the snow. And that leads us on the steps. So here we are. We're at the bottom and we're now working our way up. If you have compassion, then you will be kind. We know Jesus was kind. He's our example in all of these, of course. One of my favorite accounts of Jesus' life was the day the synagogue ruler in Capernaum came to Jesus and asked him to come and heal his daughter. She'd been sick. Jesus was on his way to heal her, and he was detained. He was stopped when a lady who had been bleeding, hemorrhaging, been in terrible pain for 12 years, what did she do? She touched him. No, not him. The hem of his garment. 
there's a painting, a mural in Magdala of how that might have looked. I took a picture of that while I was there in Israel. Jesus showed such great kindness to stop on this urgent trip to heal, heal the little girl. You know, there's a great lesson for us in that, Christians. There are going to be times in our lives when it looks like we're being interrupted. And those are really divine appointments. I'm bad for that. To rush through life and somebody or something interrupts me and I've got my schedule. I mean, I've got it all on my phone. I've got a calendar. And I mean, I'm by the hour. Anybody that knows me, you know, once you've been standing in my office for a little while, I'll, I'll start fidgeting because I'm like, I'm on a schedule and sometimes I forget. This could be a divine interruption. Jesus showed kindness and he helped that lady. And we work our way up the steps. So if you have compassion, you're going to be kind and then you move up to the next step. And it means you're going to be humble. We're going to show humility. The pagan world despised humility. They did not admire humility. The pagan world of the first century was run by Rome. And the Roman Empire was about dominion and dominating you. There's no such thing as humility in the Roman Empire. To be humble was considered weakness. Yet, as Christians, we're called to be humble, to think of others better than ourselves. Can I ask you a question? Are you a humble person? Or do you tend to brag? Are you cocky? Full of yourself? We're called to be humble. If we're humble, that will lead us to meekness. See the steps? We show compassion. We show kindness, we show humility, and that'll make us meek. Now, don't think that means weak. Meekness in the Greek means power under control. Power under control. In the Greek, it literally means a soothing wind. Did we have a soothing wind last night roll through here? No. 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 It was destructive. Many trees were down, many, many issues throughout the state and throughout the southeast from that line of storms yesterday. You say, well, what is a soothing wind? What, 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 can, what can be, that's useless. No, it's not. Not if you pop a sail up on a boat and that sail catches that soothing wind and harnesses that wind, that can push that boat across an ocean. Are you meek? Power under control? Or are you hard like a wind? Like the Tasmanian devil? <laughs> If we are meek, that'll make us patient. See the steps? Is this getting tougher for anybody else besides me? Are you patient? Don't ask for patience, right? No. <laughs> we show compassion. That leads to kindness. That leads to, to being humble. That leads to meekness. And then it leads to patience. That word patience in the Greek literally means long-tempered. What do we normally say about ourselves? We are short-tempered. I got a short fuse. No, long-tempered. It means that no matter how much you are provoked, you don't retaliate in anger. You refuse to be dominated by your emotions. Now understand, church, anger isn't wrong when, for instance, you see someone hurt a child. Or if you see, let's say, an old lady, somebody steals her purse and knocks her down. That makes us angry, and we want to do something about it, and we should. We're not talking about that kind of anger here. No, we're talking about being patient with one another. 
I love Galatians 6 1. See the screens. Brothers, speaking of the church, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you see another brother, sister in Christ who is in sin, you who are spiritual should go what? Just go tell them, you are a sick, nasty dog. That's what you are. And talk about them behind their back. And call it a prayer request. Well, we need to pray for someone. So. <laughs> They're having problems. No, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's patience. And you better keep watch on yourself lest you fall in that too. Are you patient with others? Others in the church? Others in the fellowship? This is written to a church. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, see the screens? But I received mercy, Paul said, for this reason, that in me as the foremost, he was describing himself as the chief of sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience, perfect patience, Jesus did, as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Aren't you glad Jesus is patient with you? Boy, I'm glad he's patient with me, because I'm a knucklehead. I am. I have struggles. Believe me, and I'm grateful for the people who are in my life who are patient with me, like my wife and my kids. And the, the men that work here at this church. And the, I'm a pain. And so are you. Sorry to tell you that. Newsflash, you're a pain. And so am I. Don't we all have our moments? Don't we all have our struggles? Aren't you glad that People are patient. And, 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 and this leads us to the top of the steps. What's at the top of the steps? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Forgiveness. Church, when you put on the new robe and you're new in Christ and you begin up those steps, you show compassion, you show kindness, you show humility, you show meekness, you show patience, and that will lead you to be a forgiving person. In the Greek, the word forgiveness means to hold yourself back. Huh? They've hurt you. Or somebody in your family. That's even worse. It's one thing to hurt me. It's something else to talk about my kid or my wife. Right? And you hold yourself back. You say, I, I can't do this. Precisely, my dear Watson. You're not walking in your steps. You're walking in his steps. And when you get to the top of the steps, you get peace. And he is the Prince of Peace. So how do we do this? Who's living inside of you? The Holy Spirit of God. And you and I surrender our will to the Spirit of God. And we go against our flesh Oh, the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We look to the Spirit. You know, forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. Jesus came to die for our sins, and he showed forgiveness. He's hanging on the cross, and he said what? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Forgiveness means you actually forgive the troublemaker. And that's me. So often, 
I'm a troublemaker. So often it's easy to get our feelings hurt. And we just don't want to forgive. But verse 13 is very clear. See the screens. Look in your Bibles. We must bear with one another. Now that, this is talking about in the church. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also, what? Must forgive. You mean Christians are supposed to forgive each other? Yes. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. You say, how many times am I, am I supposed to forgive? Well, that's exactly what the disciples asked Jesus, right? Hey, Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? How about seven? Jesus goes, yep, times 70. Huh? 490 times? Is that what Jesus meant? Get out a ledger? Amanda, we're at 489, sister. 490's coming. Is that what that means? No, it's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. We're called to be a forgiving people, aren't we? It's hard, isn't it? Turn the other cheek. Walk the second mile. Well, I'll turn the other cheek, but I ain't got but two cheeks. See, some of you are afraid that this will, this will make you a doormat. No, we're not to be doormats. We don't let people walk all over us and never stand up for what is true. We have to stand for the truth, but we're, we're not talking about truth here. We're just talking about simply holding a grudge. It's what they did to you is hurtful and painful, or your kid or your family or whatever, and this can be in the church, outside the church. It can be a family member, somebody you hadn't spoken to. It's just some little argument over something. I talk to people sometimes and they come to me for counseling and I go, well, where did all this begin? And you know, this, I'm not making this up. They go, uh, I can't even remember. <laughs> happens all the time. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys. Why do you fight? I don't know. We've always fought. <laughs> Why do you not like that person? I don't know, I just, I've never liked them. We're to be a forgiving people in the fellowship. That's literally what that means there. Bearing with one another, it means in the fellowship. We're to be a forgiving fellowship. We don't hold grudges. And we speak to everyone. We don't hi-hat people. Yeah, here in the church parking lot. Yeah. She didn't speak to me. So what? You speak to her. She didn't speak to me. What are you, five? We're Christians. Listen, there's a lot of things I am, but one thing I'm not is I do not hold a grudge. I, I will talk to anybody and everybody. I will make my way to talk. Kids will tell me at Walmart, where they'll go, you're so fake. Sometimes I am. Do you always feel good when you're at Walmart? Please tell me that you don't. <laughs> listen, listen. 
sometimes we're just kind, even when we don't feel like it. And sometimes when somebody has, believe me, people say all kinds of things about me. Believe me. They say all kinds of things about my family and about how we should be and shouldn't be. That's hard. I have chosen, I don't always succeed at this, but I don't hold grudges, and I will make you talk to me. I will track you down. <laughs> How you doing? How are you buying some soap, I see. That's good. Maybe wash out your mouth. No, uh, it's uh, good to see you. See, church, we're marching up these steps. Could it be that we're just a little further up the steps than maybe they are? And so now you're going to look down the steps and go, I'm a little bit further up the steps than you are. <laughs> no, that's not it at all. It's knowing where the Lord has taken us. Maybe we're standing on the steps of forgiveness, but they're still down there and they have no compassion. But you do. And something happens. You're robed in Christ. And you go to that person that's been so mean. Joel, you've been so mean to me, dude. And I'm telling you, you know what I'm going to do? Hey, brother, how you doing? You cover him. Some of you right now are looking at me like, oh. And Joel's looking at me. He's even got tears in his eyes. <laughs> You ever been taking a nap? Maybe in, in your home, it doesn't happen much, but maybe it doesn't. Somebody just covers you up. And you're like, oh, thanks. As Christians, we go to somebody who's been so mean and so vindictive to us, and we walk up to them, and we throw the robe, I call it. That, that's, that's our job as Christians. And people see that, and they go... How are they doing that? Precisely. They see Jesus. They see us walking in the steps of Jesus. Because in your own flesh, you could not even begin to do that. You know, I don't understand that person. He's supposed to be a leader. She's supposed to be a leader. Maybe they're not. I don't care if they're a leader or not. They're maybe just not as far up the steps as you are. You understand? Maybe they're in a situation where stuff's going on in their lives and, and you show kindness to somebody that's your boss. They're your boss and treat you like absolute dirt, like gutter dirt. But you still show kindness. And they go, how in the world are they doing that precisely? And they begin to see a spirit of compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience and forgiveness. It's hard though, isn't it? And they don't speak to me. So what? You speak to them. It'll be, it's, young person, you're at school, you're at middle school, young lady, and this group of girls has been mean to you, and you're carrying your lunch tray, and you see them sitting over there. And you know they're talking about you. You know how you know somebody's talking about you? It's when all five of them look at you and they go. <laughs> they always smile at you. Because they don't want you to think they've been talking about you. And so it's so easy to go, 
Yeah, and you go sit with your group of friends, and you go, yeah, they were talking about me. And, and we get these little clicks, right? And we also build up stuff in our heads. We build up, listen, to somebody needs to know this. You've got a problem with somebody because you think they got a problem with you, and the truth is they're not even thinking about you. You have blown this up in your brain, and you've let the devil do it. This thing is bigger than it. it you have made a mountain out of a molehill. They're not even thinking about you. That's because we get stuck in our own pride. So what? So what if they said it? The young lady looks over there. She goes, hey, y'all, I'm going to sit over here today. Okay? I'm going to sit over here. And you start walking toward them. Hey, how are you? You don't ask if you can sit down. You just sit down. Hey, how are y'all? What, what y'all doing? Y'all good? And you strike up a comment. And they go, you walk away. You go back to class. And they go, what was up with that? Precisely. They don't understand it. People don't understand it. People are blown away by that. That is Christianity. That is Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. Now, we're not talking about being a doormat here. We're not talking about sacrificing truth. We're just talking about being kind when others aren't being kind to you. You be the bigger person. You may be further up the steps. Jesus was the greatest model of all of these characteristics. We throw the robe. Oh, and there's something else. There's something that binds all of this together, the compassion, the kindness, humility, and the meekness and patience and forgiveness. You know what it is that binds it all together? This is really cool. Watch this in verse 14. Watch verse 14. Colossians 3:14. And above all these put on what? Love, which what? Binds everything together in perfect harmony. What do most robes have? Sash, like a belt, right? So, so you put that thing on, and to keep that thing from you know, falling off of you, you take that thing and you, you bind that thing up. See, and that's what love is. Love is that red cord that, that binds together compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Love covers a multitude of sins, right? It's not that we overlook sin, but, but that we're, we're choosing to show these characteristics when we put on the new self. You say, what is love? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible tells us. Colossians, excuse me, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. I read this a lot in weddings. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant. They didn't speak to me. Love is not rude. So what? So what? It doesn't insist on its own way. Love is not irritable, and it's not resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Well, I hope they get their due one day. Oh, it can't happen soon enough. <laughs> Love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never fails. For God so loved the world. He gave. Church, you see, when we are showing these characteristics of the new self to a lost and dying world that we've chosen to put on the robe, we will act differently and it will blow their minds. But we must look to the Holy Spirit to guide us. Some of us just need to unshackle the Holy Spirit in our lives and say, 
my hands are off this situation. Help me to exhibit the new self. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness. See, it's a choice. That's verse 15. Look at verse 15. And let, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let means to choose. And what are we talking about now? Peace. You're seeking peace. I came over here to Joel and I'm trying to cover, I'm throwing the robe and I'm trying, and what, what does this bring? What does this bring? It brings peace. And isn't that what we want anyway is peace? Or do we just want to be right? And know that I was right and you were wrong and you need to admit it. Now you're a Roman. You're seeking dominion and domination. The Bible says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. That's speaking of the church. And be thankful. We choose we allow peace to sit on the throne. Who sits on a throne? The king. Right? The one who has dominion. And the throne, at the throne, at the top of the steps of forgiveness, at the top of the steps, when forgiveness is offered, then there is peace. You say, well, what if they don't accept my forgiveness? Matters not. You're not responsible for their response. Did you hear that? I say that to my kids all the time. You are not responsible for their response. She hit me. I'm going to hit her back. No, don't hit her back. She's still mad at me. You're not responsible for her response. Just don't go get in the dirt with her. Do not go get in the dirt with her. Peace. Do you have peace in your home? Peace in your life? We must let peace sit on the throne of our heart. You know, Jesus walked in peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And when we walk in His steps, see the picture again? See the image of the footprints in the snow? When we walk in peace, we'll follow Him. And when we're not following Him, we won't be walking in peace. You know that old bracelet that people wore, WWJD? What did that stand for, WWJD? What would Jesus do? It's still a good, it's still a good question to ask. I'm getting ready to send that text. I'm getting ready to send that email. I'm getting ready to give them a piece of my mind. Be careful giving them too much of your mind. You don't have a lot to waste. <laughs> what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Are you a person of peace? You know a boat on a lake? When the boat goes by, what does it leave? Awake. When you walk away from a situation, what do you leave in your wake? Are you most apt to leave peace or turmoil? When people see you coming, do they go, oh, or do they go, oh? Be a person of peace. If you see strife, try to tamp it down. Try to, try to be a person. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers. Those who seek to make peace. Those who seek to throw the robe. We have to let peace rule in our lives. If we choose not to, then we're going to bring strife. And so I know some are thinking, well, are you talking about sacrifice and truth? No. Jesus confronted the Pharisees very sharply. 
But the question is, are we allowing our anger and our emotions to build up to the point of strife? If we do, then we're on the wrong steps. You remember the steps from last week? We're, to, we're putting on today the new robe. What were we putting away last week? Right? Anger, which smolders into wrath, which leads to malice and slander and cussing and lying. Which set of steps are you on? Those steps do not bring peace. Verse 16, there's another let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See the first part of the verse? Let the word of Christ. What is the word of Christ? It's Scripture. So that you can teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. Dwell in you richly means to make a home. The word of God is to have a home in our lives. And you know what? When you and I allow the Word of God to be at home in our lives, there will be peace. I've never found or encountered a person who is a student of the Word of God who is not walking in peace. Because this book informs them of which steps to take. Do you know why there is so little peace in most Christians' lives? Because they never read this. They never read this. And so they walk around in darkness. It's quite simple, church. We've got to read the Bible. Not only must we read it, the Bible says there in verse 16, the first part of it, that we must teach it and admonish with it. Can you teach the Bible? Your first reaction is, absolutely not. Why not? Huh? Hey, can I ask y'all a question? Remind me. Where is my seminary degree from? You go, I don't know. I don't have one. What? How did you, how, how did you learn the Bible? You ready? I read it. I've been reading the Bible since I was 16 years old. You read something enough, you learn it. You spend enough time with somebody, you learn them. Read the Bible. Once you know something pretty good, you can talk about it. I mean, we talk a lot about stuff on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We can talk a lot about all kinds of Hollywood people and sports and we got to be people of the Word. We're to be workers who need not to be ashamed, who can rightly handle the Word of truth. That's not just for preachers. I encourage you to read the Bible. And your next thought is, we got to read it every day. Well, let me ask you this. Do you eat every day? Okay, the next day that you take off from eating and filling your belly, then don't read the Bible. You say you're being legalistic. No, I'm not. We feed our bellies because we need strength and energy to live life. This is the word of life. This is the bread of life. I'm not being dogmatic to say if you miss a day, you should feel lower than a snake's belly, but I'm saying it should be our practice to be like the Bereans. You remember the Bereans? You remember them in Scripture? Somebody tell me, how often did they study the word of God? Tell me the word. Daily. Daily. That should be our goal. You might miss a day here and there, but, but your course of action should be that you're feeding your soul on the Word of God and allowing the Spirit of God to sit before the Lord. I was just telling a young lady, I had the privilege of leading a young lady to Christ on the phone Tuesday night, 12-year-old young lady in our church. 
And I told her, I said, do you have a Bible? She said, yes, after she'd prayed to receive Jesus. And so I said, I'll tell you what you do. I said, I want you to get your Bible, and I want you to get a notebook. She's 12 years old. Should we expect a 12-year-old to read the Bible? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Answer is yes. Yes, we should expect a 12-year-old. I mean, she can program a DVR. She can read the Bible, okay? Okay. So she can read the Bible. And I said, get a notebook and just write down. St- read 10 verses a day. Just start out with 10 verses, okay? That's bite size, okay? And then just write down what, maybe even a couple of the verses that you read. When you write something down and you see it, you learn it. You begin to learn it. And I said, and you might, down write, you might write down a thing or two that the Lord may speak into your mind. He may not speak anything in your mind that particular day. But over a period of time, the Lord will begin speaking through His Word. And you will have a testimony to yourself when times get hard. You can actually look back and say, I've, I don't say this to brag. i got a stack like that. I've been, I've been journaling since I was 16 years old. And you can look back, I just pull one out, just flunk the stack, it's like Jenga, the stack falls down, I open it up, and I'm like, wow, God did that in my life. Because we always think the problem we're dealing with right now is the worst problem we've ever had. And we forget how the Lord has delivered us in the past. Do you read the Word of God? The Bible says we should read it and then be able to teach it, admonish with it. And then what happens? Verse 16, believe it or not, we'll sing. Look at the end of verse 16. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So so what does all this mean? It means when we walk up those steps, when when we take that trip up those steps, we'll arrive to the top and there will be peace. And that means that we will allow the peace of God to rule and reign in our lives. And we will allow the Word of God to direct our lives. Because it's like this picture. Look at this picture one last time, the steps in the snow. Imagine the sun as the Bible. The Bible says of itself that it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The Word of God lights the way to go. So many people say, I have no idea which way to go. They come to me wanting me. I'm, look, I'm not a soothsayer. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't believe in that stuff anyway. That's of the devil. I tell people, read the Bible and the Lord will speak to you. I don't think he'll speak to me. Why? Because somehow you believe that Satan's lie is that God can't speak to you. That's a lie. You're his child and he will speak to you and he will speak to you through his word. You get the word out and get you a notebook and begin to write down some things and you'll be amazed at what God will do in your life. And then it'll lead you to sing. Sing? Yeah. Sing what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Here here are these three things. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. What are the Psalms? That's the Old Testament. That comes mainly from David. Most of the Psalms were written to be sung, right? What about the hymns? Those are expressions of praise to the Lord. And then the spiritual songs, they emphasize a personal testimony about the Lord. And to whom are we to sing these songs? You know, when y'all were out here singing, well, half of you today sang. I don't know, the other half of you, I don't know. Sing to the Lord, make a joyful noise. Are you singing to the praise team? Who are you singing to? What does the Bible say? Look at it. Look at it. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So we sing to the Lord. You know, sometimes I force myself to sing, even when I don't want to. You ever done that? You're going through a hard time, but you just start singing to the Lord? Something happens inside the Spirit. 
the Holy Spirit begins to speak. So we've been up this set of steps today. What are the steps? Compassion, <coughs> kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness. So let's put a bow on the package at the top of the steps. Verse 17. Here's the culmination. And whatever you do, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.